We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Catch Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. Today, we have a special guest. It's Cody Westerland from 670 The Score, who's jumped on this podcast several times in the past. Thank you so much, Cody, for taking some time out of your day to talk about the Bulls with us. Uh, Jace, there's been some news. For the Bulls. First of all, they haven't lost in like several <laughs> days. The Bulls, of course, riding a six game losing streak into the All Star break, had the All Star game on Sunday. Not too much action from DeMar DeRozan. I think the most notable moment was when he rolled his eyes during the player introductions <laughs> when he was described as the master of the mid range. Uh, otherwise, really lame and boring All Star game. I didn't watch too much of it. I didn't watch it. The parts minute. I did watch. <laughs> Uh, the guys were just going through the motions. It was totally uncompetitive and just felt like a giant waste of time for everyone involved. At least former Bulls legend Mac McClung won the slam dunk contest in entertaining all-star Saturday night. So that was good to see. Uh, Bulls still one spot out of the play-in tournament, two games behind the 10th place Toronto Raptors. Can you feel the play in fever, Jason, with the Bulls at 26 and 33? Well, I can't, but the Bulls did make two roster moves this week, bringing in Patrick Beverly and Terry Taylor. And for more on that, Jason, you can run down the news of the week. Yeah. So quite a big bit, bit of news here. I was not expecting it. We have, we were going to have Cody on just thinking we'd be just be bashing the bulls which we will surely do uh in due time here but we do have this news we got so first we got russell westbrook going to the clippers which i've i think we kind of figured like that was if the clippers actually decided to want him uh like the front office with all the players i think at least four or five clippers said we want russell westbrook on this team and they decided to do it once that happened it was basically for the bulls it was was it gonna be patrick beverly it's gonna be john wall beverly uh kind of predictable chicago guy 
good for Patrick Beverly to play coming home. I know the Bulls had looked at him in the past, and he's talked about how, we, how he'd love to play in Chicago, play his first hometown. Uh, he's got that dog in him. Uh, a lot of people complaining about how the Bulls are soft, which they are. But And so a lot of the talk has just been around how, whatever, he's going to come in here and he's going to sh- whip this locker room into shape. He's going to get on Zach Levine's ass when he's fucking up. Maybe he'll put light a fire under Patrick Williams ass. I don't know. We'll see. I don't think he's going to really move the needle that much. Uh, he was bad with the Lakers this season. I believe he did start raising his shooting percentage after like a truly awful start over the last like month or two, but Pat Bev, Chicago guy, cool for him to come back. Is he going to move the needle? Is he going to like bring them, ride them to the play in tournament? I mean, maybe these teams all are kind of bad. It's like if the bulls somehow got in, like, would it surprise me? Not really. Uh, but the team, the teams around them, the Hawks just fired Nate McMillan. We'll see what how they do the rest of the year. I mean, the Wizards are the Wizards. Uh, they've been playing better lately, but they're still the Wizards. And the Raptors have finally been playing better. They got Yaka Pearl. We'll see. It's kind of br- probably just going to be a toss up for one of those nine those nine and ten spots for the Bulls. So Patrick Beverly signing, it's fine. Whatever. At least they did something, I guess. Uh, and they waved. I, I guess one of the things I was most interested in was who they would actually wave when they was they had to wave somebody to sign. Patrick Beverly, what's it going to be? Marco Simonovic, who is somehow still on this team after all this time. Tony Bradley, who has somehow been on this team for all this time. Or would they would they let Goran Dragic go? Because I know there had been some rumors that maybe they would let him go if they're bringing a guard in. Veteran, he hasn't played much lately. He has been very good. Ends up being Tony Bradley. I mean, it's a total whatever. Bradley hasn't played. He's their third string center. Marco lives. We'll see how long Marco somehow stays on this team, but I honestly, whoever they got rid of, it doesn't really matter. I'm curious to see how much Beverly plays. Are they going to start him over IO right away? Is he going to come here and take Dale and Terry minutes? Dale and Terry, one of the only exciting parts of the Bulls, terrible uh, TNT Bulls death against the, against the Bucks the other night. He was pretty good. I know a lot of people want to see Dale and Terry play more. We'll talk a bit more about that moving forward here with Cody, but Whatever, Patrick Beverly's fine. Tony cutting Tony Bradley's fine. And then they also make this move. They wave Malcolm Hill, RIP Illini guy, Malcolm Hill. Uh, he has a two-way contract. They now got Terry Taylor, who had been with the Pacers. Terry Taylor, apparently a Bulls killer. He had like 21, 14, and 5 against them in a game last year. Had an uh, or last year, and then this year, I think he had a double-digit point game, a season high game against the Bulls. So Bulls killer Terry Taylor now joining the Chicago Bulls on a two-way contract, taking Malcolm Hill's spot. I can't say I can tell you that much about Jerry Taylor. He's at, uh, was it Austin P. I believe uh, went to college. He's been with Indiana the last couple of years. He's six four, six five, and undersized power forward. Uh, sounds like one of AK's guys. If you if you show some AK an undersized power forward who has a lot of energy and you can't shoot, AK's like sign him up. Sure, he did it right here. Not that this is a bad signing. I'm glad. I'm glad that they're finally kind of cycling through the, the two way stuff we've complained about. Like. As much as a, as an Illinois guy, I love Malcolm Hill, love what he did at Illinois. I mean, he's what, 27, 28? Not really any upside with Malcolm Hill at this point. We'll want to see them use those two-way spots on a younger player. They're trying this on Terry Taylor. Be nice if they actually tried to get someone who could actually shoot the ball, but we'll see. We'll see if Terry Taylor can be anything, but there's that. And then we also got Lonzo Ball news today. As expected, the Bulls finally announced that Lonzo Ball is officially done for the season. Again, we all saw it coming. We've seen this coming for months. Still, and AK put out a statement just saying that, oh, you know, he's still like when he tries to do basketball activities, there's still pain and discomfort, which has just been the whole, been the thing for however long it's been now. Just every time he tries to run and do basketball stuff, the discomfort's there. And it's, it's a huge bummer. I don't know what's 
how it's going to like all of a sudden be better. Like maybe at some point it's over the next few months going into next season, the discomfort will go away. It just, it's very hard to be optimistic about Lonzo moving forward. I feel like the bulls have to operate. Like they will not have Lonzo ball moving forward, or if they do just a totally uh, neutered, not nearly as effective Lonzo, even if he comes back next year, surely there'll be minutes restrictions. Won't be playing back to backs. Won't be as good as he used to be just after all this time off. So, um, we kind of knew this was coming. AK hinted at it after the trade deadline that there was going to be an announcement during the All Star break, and here it finally came today, which sucks. But we'll talk about this a bit. So that was a lot here. Again, a lot of Bulls news here. Let's bring on Cody, our guy. Like I said, he's been on the pod before. Great to have him back, Cody. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. I wasn't sure if we're going to look ahead in this podcast or this is just a podcast of mourning for those of us who most appreciated the TNT Bulls streak. Um, because Jason, I know you were the you were kind of the uh, torch bearer on that at the start. So it was a sad last Thursday night, and I'm glad the All Star break hit to to give me a week off to mourn. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's basically like you and me. KC gave us the shout out that you and me have been the biggest like. Uh, trumpeters of the TNT Bulls. And I mean, and it was a crazy fucking streak, man. I mean, you put out that the list of games, the 20 straight games they had won, and like it was all against good teams, absolutely ridiculous games, like games they had no business winning. You pointed out the one where like I think Stefan Clay shot like three of 22. Uh, and that was one of yeah. those championship years. Just crazy games. There was so much on there too. Like if we'd done a deep dive game by game, like there's a game where like Pau Gasol passed his prime blocked in his prime LeBron James at the rim inside like 15 seconds to like preserve a Bulls lead like this stuff is insane like that happened which is why it was so funny it's like every game had odd nuggets and details like that yeah I I did do that back in the day when I first started looking into this I went through just like opponent shooting percent because if you look at like the box scores it's like all the scores for these teams are so low and it's all really good teams just having awful shooting nights and it almost it's set up this last Thursday game set up for this to happen again. Giannis goes out nine minutes in. Uh, Chris Middleton is not playing. And so they're playing a bunch of just like scrubs. It turns out the TNT Bulls magic finally ran out because these Bulls, the vibes of this Bulls team are terrible. And you got guys that like, you have Brooke Lopez putting up whatever 33 and AJ Green hitting five three pointers and like Javon Carter going absolutely bonkers. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, RIP, pour one out, another one out for the TNT Bulls. Uh, it was a hell of a run, but of course, again, this Bulls team with the bad vibes right now um, ruined it. The vibes are trying to be changed now with Patrick Beverly coming in. Again, a lot of the hype around the signing isn't as much even about basketball. Like Beverly, he's, he's older now. He's still like a pretty, whatever, dog defender. Uh, his three-point shooting is pretty hit or miss. I think he's at like 34, 35%. He, again, he has been better after a really bad start, but a lot of the talk has just been about how he's going to whatever come in and fix this locker room and change the vibes around this team. Because again, the vibes are bad. We see them. We've seen the bulls blow so many big leads uh, just like hanging your head in the, here we go again. And the hope is that guy like Patrick Beverly will not, will kind of change that and bring some leadership, bring some uh, just uh, kind of just change that whole mentality of just kind of the soft nature of this team. Cody, how much are you buying into that? How much do you think Patrick Beverly will help? Um, this team on and off the court, or do you think it's just a, not a needle mover and it's just another, like, here's a Chicago guy and it's cool for him. I'm, I'm not buying in that he's going to be that big of a help. I, I think he's going to be helpful, right? Because again, he does play defense harder um, than it seems like some of these Bulls guys do on a 
night to night basis, certainly when they when they have a lead and, and stuff like that, when they could um, kind of have a little more killer instinct and, and keep the pedal to the metal on both ends of the floor. But like defense hasn't been the Bulls problem this year, right? Like when you look at the statistics, it's the inefficient offense, I think ranked 24th yep. going into the all star break in efficiency. And look, he's not going to help that much on the offensive end. You pointed out, I think around 34% three-point shooter this year, certainly a little better for his career. So like, that's why we're talking about intangibles so much. And I've rarely have I ever seen signings where intangibles were getting referenced so much, right? (laughs) And to me, like the Bulls are going to be better just because I don't think they're bad enough to lose like 13 straight games, right? And they already lost six in a row. The schedule lightens up a little bit. Like, there's certainly winnable games coming out of the all-star break here. Nets at home, uh, Wizards at home. I think the Pacers are coming up, too. Stuff like that. Like, they have winnable games coming up. They'll win a few more. Everyone will get out over their skis and be like, oh, look what Patrick Beverly's doing. Like, he's making a difference in all this stuff. When in reality, it's a little bit of a dead cat bounce, probably. You know what I mean? So, uh, I do think he, again, is helpful. I think he could probably provide a little bit more than Goran Dragic has lately because he just hasn't been very good. Um, it seems like the past month, but I don't expect a huge spark from Beverly or anything. It's like a terrible sign that you're counting on a market, a buyout market guy to come and light a fire under your 20, 25 million, $40 million players late in the season. All I could think about with so much discourse around how Beverly's going to change the culture of the team is Tristan Thompson yes. yelling at Zach. <laughs> yes, that's exactly White what I was going to say. Bench. Last season, I think we know how that panned out. Tristan Thompson, actually, for those first two, three games, looked like he might be a serviceable big man in the Bulls rotation. Then reality quickly caught up with everyone, and they realized Tristan Thompson could not offer anything. Cody, my theory is that the Bulls signed Patrick Beverly because they aspire to be in the position that the Minnesota Timberwolves found themselves in last year when Patrick Beverly jumped on the scores table and celebrated a play in victory as if his team had just won a championship like he were Michael Jordan. Do you think Arturis Karnaschovas saw that moment and felt a moment of inspiration that, yes, this man can take us to the promised land where we want to be, and that is the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference? And another five-game elimination in the first round of the playoffs. That is a great theory, Ricky. I kind of like it. I think the Bulls would be doing cartwheels at this point if they could get into the final eight, like the real eight, and have Patrick Beverly doing that. That would be an iconic moment of – just sadness, I think, really, in <laughs> Chicago sports, if he was to do that, right? Because he would have been taking it so seriously in our hypothetical here, um, and it would reflect the state of the Bulls at this point. But, like, look, yeah, they added him because they're still trying to win, right? They're two games out of the fifth worst record in the NBA, which, if they could uh, plummet to that down the stretch, would give them 10.5% odds to land Victor Wimbayama. But they have no interest in that at this point. So the move's clearly reflective of this organizational mandate to push as hard as they can for a play-in spot and then get through the play-in spot, which or through the play-in, which we should note, that's not going to be easy. If you're the 10 seed, yeah, you got to win back-to-back road games, right? If you're the 9 seed, you still got to win back-to-back games and only get one of them at home. So it's certainly, certainly still a cloudy, cloudy outlook for this team. And I, I, if we're on the Beverly topic here, I've got to point out too, like, I think it's an awesome story for him coming back to Chicago. Yeah, I do think his 
his intangibles and attitude is what a team could use from the start of training camp and have him somewhere on the roster and counted on as more of an 11th man or something tiny role, be a little bit of a team leader. I just don't expect it to happen in this window. And the downside of this is look, if this goes poorly, Patrick Beverly is not afraid to air out the dirty laundry on his way out of town before he goes back into free agency this summer, right? Like if the bulls sit here in these final 23 games and go six and 17, something like that, like he's just going to sound off. And all of a sudden now you got someone just roasting everybody. Whereas before you just had a bunch of quiet guys who just said, we got to play harder and it's frustrating. Right. So to me, there is a little risk reward here. He's got that podcast. He'll he'll be going on that podcast talking shit about the bulls. If if it goes poorly, Um, you bring up the draft odds. Would you have rather seen them kind of flip more towards let's play the young guys. Let's play Dalen. Let's let's like let's get Pat Patrick Williams. Let's get him more involved. Let's maybe give the veterans some time off if possible. Obviously, we know those guys aren't going to want to do that, but like just maybe a little more of an organizational shift towards whatever. We'll play these young guys. We're not going to go like so hard for it. Or if, they, if we win games, we win games. But like it's not a big deal if we don't. But clearly, they still are definitely going trying to win games get in the playoffs. Would you prefer to see them try to maximize those odds instead? Yeah, I would at this point. Um, I wasn't there for a long time, right? Like Same, people honestly. have differing yeah. opinions and certainly um, are are welcome to to hear those, those takes. Like one of this sooner in the season and now they look smarter than my, my take, you know, like certainly that would be a better ideal situation for the Bulls long-term outlook right now if they had. But um, again, I don't think there was any point in the season where the Bulls could have pushed the button to get inside the top four worst teams no. in the NBA, right? Yeah. Like you would have been pushing that button like 22 games in the season and there was zero chance of that ever happening. And that would not have been a respectable organizational path. But um, now that they're on this six game losing streak and, and kind of how I just saw it play out um, right before the all-star break, I do think that that they should take that approach. And the people yelling for Dale and Terry to play to like spark the Bulls to success, I didn't agree with. But you can't you can't deny that like what he showed against the Bucks in the last game before the all-star break was like helpful for him, helpful for the Bulls' future of him playing more minutes like that. I liked how he took the ball to the hoop, had a couple up and unders, finished strong on a couple occasions, just got more playing time. Um, he needs minutes. And at this point, again, I was not there. But now if your argument is long-term outlook, Dale and Terry fits into that, give him more minutes. I'm there with you. I agree with that uh, assessment. I think those losses would come naturally at that point because, look, he's not a guy that's ready for like no. 30 minutes in an NBA game by any matter or any means. So I would like to see it. And, look, I don't know how you tell, like, Zach and DeMar not to try or make up injuries for guys as durable as Vooch and DeMar, for example, but they've already been bad. So if you didn't add to it and you just kept going and left Dale and Terry in there and playing some of these, like they naturally, I think would still play poorly down the stretch. It feels like. Uh, Cody on every podcast, I say the bulls organizational goal from the ownership and management level is not to win the championship. It is simply to make the playoffs and to make the playoffs every year. I do not think they, uh, I don't want to say they don't care about winning the championship, but they just don't view that as the goal of the team. If the bulls do miss the play in tournament this year, though, they are going to have some decisions to make. Yeah. Vooch being a free agent will be the first key decision. DeMar DeRozan will be entering the last year of his contract. I believe he'll be up for an extension with that. 
Uh, Zach Levine will be in the second year of his max extension and Patrick Williams will be up for extension on his rookie contract. So this team as currently constructed is built around Levine, Vooch and DeRosa. Their first year together, they were uh, uh, minus 1.1 points per 100 possessions in 1,200 minutes. This year, they are minus 0.6 points per 100 in just about 1,200 minutes. There's a lot of data here that suggests that the team can't win with these three core pieces as the foundation uh, of the franchise. If the Bulls were to miss the play-in tournament this year, do you believe Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley would possibly break up that trio? We know Karnaschovas said he would like to re-sign Vooch. Uh, if they re-sign Vooch, I wonder, does that mean this three, big three, is coming back next year? Uh, you know, sort of, I, the way I view it is like, they would like to keep this team together and they would like the team to make the playoffs. I'm wondering if missing the play-in tournament altogether would be enough reason for concern for them to actually, you know, do the reasonable thing and say this trio cannot lead the team to success. I don't even think it has to be that drastic of a playoff miss, right? Like I think you could see one of those guys get moved, even if they got the eighth seed and then just got swept. Right. Um, Like I, I don't think the bulls can and should put that much stock into what happens in a 23 game finish when you're talking about going 12 and 11 to sneak into the play in and then have two great nights in the play in round or something. Like to me, it is tracking that way, right? Like I know AK, it doesn't feel like his words ever mean much when he, when he says stuff or yeah. he, he just doesn't have that. Like John Paxson, when he ran the Bulls there, um, after they kind of turned the face of the franchise back from Gar to Pax when they went to the rebuild. Like what he said sometimes, like he had a lot of frustration or anger sometimes. And like within that, therein lied truth, it felt like, um, because that's the guy Pax was. And like he'd BS with you off the record too, you know, stuff like that more than this front office does. So it's hard. That's a long way of saying it's harder to get a read on AK. But again, he's been doing a really poor job this year and how they built the team and the lack of depth and the lack of shooting. But I, I am not of the belief yet that he's like some idiot that doesn't understand that something needs to change. I think he probably set prices too high at the trade deadline on anything. I think he probably felt pressure to give this core one more chance um, as it played out down the stretch, but I think they'll do something and they have to do something with one of those three. And it's weird to me because Moving off Vooch, to me, is the best way to build an NBA team in this era, right? I don't think you should ever pay big money to a center unless it's Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid, right? Like, anyone other than that two-way force, and I mean, Jokic maybe not a two-way force, but you got to be able to, like, be elite, be MVP candidate, or your center needs to be a really good defensive presence at the rim. And Vooch isn't that, and even though he's played really well, like, to me, I'm afraid the Bulls are going to tie their hands a little bit by giving him a $20 million per year salary. And look, maybe they're doing that just to have the $20 million salary right. slot filled that they can then flip him somehow, if not in a sign and trade, in a trade down the line, even halfway through the season or something. Like, there is some wisdom in having that salary slot 
rather than a lower a cap hold forcing you into a lower salary slot to use there because you can go over the cap, um, obviously, to keep your own guys. So maybe that's the plan. But at some point, you know, like there's so much focus on Zach at the trade deadline. I'd love to know how you guys feel about this. Which one of those three would you move first in an ideal world if you were the Bulls this offseason? Because to me, Zach still is obviously the biggest potential and he has the biggest salary and the most burdensome contract. But to me, focusing a team core age range on Pat Williams, Zach, whatever Dalen can give you, whatever else you can add in here. Lonzo's kind of out of that picture now until he can prove his health. But the thought was there in the right age range with Lonzo to still connect with Zach, even after Vooch and DeMar moved on. So to me, I'm interested in what guy you think you would most ideally flip. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I would move DeMar first. And I said that, uh, you know, throughout this season on the podcast. But, you know, I think they missed their window. Uh, especially now coming off this injury. If you would have traded him at the deadline, a team would have got two runs, two playoff runs with him on a very team-friendly contract. Now coming in next season, he's an expiring deal. You know, you'd be lucky to maybe get a lightly protected first-round pick in return for DeRozan, I think. I mentioned this on the last episode, but man, I would have really loved the trade the have made for Kyrie Irving, that return if the Bulls could have got it for DeRozan. I don't know if the Mavericks would have bid on it, uh, but to get Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Didwitty, and a pick would have really solved the Bulls' three biggest problems, in my opinion, which is right now 
point guard play. Their point guard play has been dog shit all season. Sorry, Io, I love you. You haven't developed the way this team had hoped you would. Wing depth, they have no wing depth. It's like the only wing on the entire team is Pat. Uh, everyone else is just either not big enough or not skilled enough to really play that position at the NBA level. And then, of course, shooting. The Bulls are dead last in the league in three-point attempts per game. They're dead last in the league in three-point makes per game. They can't shoot the ball at all, and it's a big reason why uh, the team has you know, failed to find success this year. So that trade would have landed you two slightly above-average starters for one all-star, but it would have filled positions of need, and it would have helped your shooting. Now, that would have been sort of a... Uh, let's say a half measure in a sense of like, you're not fully committing to tearing it down, but you're just like trying to still like potentially, you know, compete for a playoff spot and you're just sort of pivoting. I think that that would probably be a, a good path for this front office to go down if they don't want to totally tear it down. But you know, what can you really get for DeRozan yeah. in the off season? I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to be out there. Uh, I would move off DeRozan and Vooch if you could. Now, Zach, if you get a good enough offer for Zach, see you, Zach. Like, I have no qualms about trading him. But at the end of the day, like, he's about to turn 28 or he just turned 28. So he's still in the prime of his career. Uh, Yes, he does have a big contract. But guess what? If you're a really good number two option, you get a max contract in the NBA. That's just kind of what it is. And Zach is still an electric off-ball scorer, can really shoot. I think he's one of the 10 best shooters in the NBA. Obviously, he's a frustrating player because he's such a poor decision-maker with the ball in his hands. And holy shit, have you guys looked at his crunch time shooting percentages this year? He's shooting like 33% from the field, 16% from three, with more turnovers and assists in the clutch. It's unbelievable. Well, guess what? you got to separate yourself from the idea that Zach Levine, just because he's on a max contract, deserves to be a number one option. He's not a number one option. He's a really good number two option on offense. It's going to be so interesting, right? Because the trade that's going to be on the table, trade off for this going to be on the table, some substance is probably something again from the Knicks because they yep. already have those discussions and the Knicks will build them. The Knicks will probably come up slightly on their price and it will say a lot about whether AK still has confidence in Zach or he sells really low on him, right? Like that's, to me, going to be another topic of discussion in June, early July for this team. And like you look at players on the Knicks, like Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly are like the types of guys I think that could help the Bulls, like just getting more of them in there. But I don't know that there's a clean fit to match value on Zach yet that has established itself between those two teams. If I get two first rounders and Quickly, I would probably think about that pretty seriously okay. but you know what i also sort of like the idea of building the next iteration of the team around zach and pat and then you trade zach when his value is higher like you know demar was the guy to trade because his value was at its high point yeah and i'm i'm there with you i know i talked about Vooch earlier and i i was in support of of trading demar as well at trade deadline so if that offer is established over the summer absolutely like i think if you're picking one between demar and zach i would trade demar because to me Keeping DeMar over Zach, it's like, oh, let's just go out there and get that sixth seed next year and the next two years, whatever the case may be. And then you're just in this cycle of mediocrity in the back half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, and you still don't have any infusion of young talent behind them to me. Um, So that's what I would still prefer, but it just feels more likely that Zach would be moved. 
Yeah, the age stuff is definitely a huge thing. Just like sinking more like time and investment into whatever the Vooch DeRozan thing just seems like a big mistake. You just can't like if DeMar comes out and like wants this whatever four million four year 140 million extension, whatever he's eligible for. I mean, you can't do that. Like as good as like as awesome as he's generally been, like you cannot give him that extension. And then he's so then it's what he's going into expiring, and then like and then what? And then what are you gonna lose him for nothing? Like it's just like it does make sense to trade him. And then with Vooch, like Vooch should make like it, Vooch like has not really been the pro- the problem this season. He's been pretty good, but again, another guy you worry about like he's having a career year with shooting from some of these areas, like finishing around the basket. Uh, like is Vooch going to keep doing that moving forward? Like he's yeah, worrying about paying for the future production that these guys in their thirties on a team on a core that's been mediocre. You just really can't do it. You just can't sink sink more into it. So it's like I got a random. question question for you guys if nick claxton was the bulls starting center and healthy all year in place of vooch and vooch wasn't in chicago and i know that's not a one-for-one trade i know that the nets brought him back in free agency last year he wanted to go there bulls didn't really have a chance there really um what do you think the bulls record would be it's 26 and 33 now what do you think it would be if he was the starting center every game it's a really interesting question because the bulls problem has been off it's like right yeah But that's the type of guy I want in there still. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, in general, for sure. We've talked about like the Miles Turner. I mean, we talked about the Miles Turner thing forever. Doesn't seem like he's going anywhere, but like him, I feel like we've talked about like a Clint Capella type from like Atlanta. That kind of would have rim running defensive center. Uh, Seems like it would make sense. It's so funny that when you look at whatever the Bulls offensive rating is again, yeah, like 24th, whatever it is. And their defensive rating is like top 10. I have pointed out on many occasions that I do think the Bulls defense is fraudulent because so much of it's based <laughs> off of teams bricking wide open three pointers. Uh, because I mean, we yeah, see they're like one bad game away from being like number 14. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I think right. the defense is mostly, fr- I think they're, they're not bad defensively. I think they're very average. And like, we see how prone they are to just awful stretches when they blow these games. And, and when teams actually hit their wide open three pointers, the Bulls are fucked because they give up a ton. They give up a lot of corner threes. Their their pick and roll defense is not that great. I mean, they have a few deep, like Pat's gotten better. Io's gotten better. They still Caruso obviously is a plus minus, still really good. But like in general, their defense is not actually good. They've gotten super lucky this season with that three point shooting and all that kind of stuff. So they're at best average defensively and then terrible offensively. So like if they did change like that, whatever the makeup of that core and put in that defensive first center, I mean, maybe just having that kind of rim runner would help. I mean, I guess open up the offense more, maybe they still need more shooting. I mean, one big reason that sh- the offense stinks is they just don't shoot enough threes. And I've they, they, because their field goal percentage as a team is like 48%. Like it's like top five, top six. So like just overall shooting, they're good, but they don't yeah, shoot threes. That's they why don't shoot trading DeMar would naturally help. Trading right. DeMar that's, just fixes that problem somewhat, not all right. the way, but somewhat. it's just the, the concern. Yeah. With DeMar, it's just like, can you build a super efficient offense with him as just like, as a mid-range merchant, as efficient like as he's been, like whatever his true shooting is around sixty, uh, and he's shooting over fifty percent. But like, you put all these guys together and with no shooting around them, I, it probably could be better if they actually did actually get more shooting. But like, again, investing more into this core just, would just be really tough. And like with the Zach thing, and it seems like a lot of that is kind of stemming from his supposed frustrations with like Billy, with Demar, with whatever the the Demar pairing there, and that it just hasn't been working. And whatever the thing with the magic game when he get he had bench that keeps rumblings out there that he's just him and Billy just do not see eye to eye. 
uh, and they're not going to fire Billy. I mean, what would do you think? Do you think there's any chance? Like, if this really goes bad this year, do you think Billy is any chance he's fired because he's got the secret extension? Not so secret now, no, but like, not that. No, not this offseason. Yeah. So, like, if that so. if that is a thing, like, are they, like do they pick whatever Billy over Zach and they trade him if they do get a good enough offer? I like Ricky. I am fine if they if if the Knicks did come to the table with some massive, like, close to Donovan Mitchell trade package. I mean, I think you really have to consider doing that and just kind of hitting the reset button. But if they do that, I think you then probably just totally blow it up and then also move on from Vooch and Demar and you just really go around Pat, Dalen, Io. Maybe you bring Kobe back and you just do a re- full reset for a year. Maybe do that, but uh, it is—it's just a tough spot. It's a weird spot. Let Let me fire Ricky up by just pointing out the Bulls shows Fred Hoiberg over Jimmy Butler, basically. So, floor's <laughs> <laughs> yours. Um, so yeah, to the Claxton thing, I was going to say like the Nets have, I think they lead the league in three point percentage. They're up there in three point rate. The Nets have so many awesome three and D wings on the roster. Uh, and they added Finney Smith and Michael Bridges over the trade deadline in exchange for their two superstars. So the Bulls have no three and D wings Cam Johnson. On, this, on this entire roster and Cam Johnson. So they desperately need to add some shooters uh yeah i don't know man so you say there's no way billy is let go over the off season or not this off season to me i don't think so i mean he's got he's got at least two i believe probably three years left on his contract at this point because he is in year three of his original four-year deal and the reporting was extremely vague vague nebulous on it saying he had multiple years left on his deal after the agreement of this that when it's one of the times when words matter and some of the reporters did not come out and just like plurality and singular (laughs) verbs and nouns and all that like mattered on it so it's still a little confusing and i'll try to get an answer at some point here but I don't I don't think there's any chance this offseason because he has he has too many seasons left. And I just wonder what that means about the Bulls direction this offseason, because we yeah. were told that Billy Donovan does not want to rebuild it all. No, I had been telling Jason on the last podcast that I believe it is sort of likely that the Bulls resign Vooch, keep DeMar and Zach, trade their 2027 first round pick to try to get a wing shooter and sign Russell Westbrook to be their point guard. To me, that would be perhaps the worst case scenario imaginable. And, you know, maybe the Bulls go up to 39 wins, 40 wins, but certainly that mix of talent uh, would not lead to a winning or enjoyable brand of basketball. The Bulls need to focus. So we set championships as a standard, right? Um, I've said this a number of times, so sorry if I'm repeating myself to you guys, but like, I don't know that the Bulls need to focus on building a team quite yet that can win a championship. Yeah. Like getting to the conference finals means to me, like you might have a chance or it's, it's a really good team, stuff like that. The Bulls have done that before in the last 12, 13 years for whatever conference final standing. But like, to me, it feels like the Bulls should be more focused on like, can they build a foundation of a team that can come together and win 50 games together? Because that to me feels like a team that can win a first round playoff series, be in a second round one, have a good foundation to attract more. Um, and they're just not close to that right now, in my opinion. And this course never going to get there, those three guys together. Um, but like I, I think that's what Billy Donovan wants to do. You know, I don't yeah. know that he came to Chicago under the impression he's actually going to win a championship, but he thought that they 
probably could be competing at a higher level right now. Like, I think that's a fair expectation for what this front office should be trying to build. Like, that's what Tibbs did. He ground out 49 and 50 win seasons, even when Derek was hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was their goal in building this team. I don't think they thought DeRozan, Vooch, and Zach were going to win him a title, but I think yeah, maybe that's a fair point. 50 wins out of it. And they got 46 last year with Lonzo only playing half the season. That's a good uh, point. But it's it's just tough when, you know, you got a $20 million salary on the cap sheet who is not playing a single minute. And you just wonder, like, next year, if Lonzo can play at all, you know, He's probably not going to play back-to-backs. He's probably not going to play at the same capacity. He's playing at his peak. And at this point, can we even reasonably assume he's going to be ready to go for training camp? Like, Yeah, I mean, probably that not. was – I I'm not buying everything in that release. They tried to frame the press release as – Progress. Oh, he's only, only experiencing discomfort on high-level activities, right? Like stuff like that. And I mean, yeah, I guess the pain has probably gone away now when he walks upstairs or walking around, obviously. Um, but it, it did feel like just the way the whole press release was even the quote was framed. was like going out of the way to to show that it's going to be OK. Like It was almost a too try hard of a yeah. quote in a statement from AK to give me any confidence. Right. Like he was trying way too hard. Yeah, it was like despite whatever the progress that he has made, like there's still this discomfort at high level basketball and focus now on 23, 24. You um, wouldn't you wouldn't shut a guy down right now with two months still. I mean, probably more like seven weeks, eight weeks left. If if it was as optimistic as it was close, yeah. Him in the press release yeah yeah i mean i going back to the point about like whatever building this team like i will i the going back to the vooch trade even like we've talked about the vooch trade a lot like you can argue with it whether that was good or bad they gave up a lot once they did that and they did the demar caruso lonzo offseason i do think like that was a respectable again you could argue if they gave up too much like the demar first round big respectable way to put together like a competitive team to get back to relevancy with that with that group and like they played great for whatever 60 games last season they were 39 and 21 uh lonzo they, they, they were fun with lonzo running the point for them and demar had his magic and all that and like it could it i think that was at least a good stepping stone once this Alonzo situation went to shit, it's it's clearly you got to pivot. You just you can't rely on him anymore. You you can't expect him to be there or giving you anywhere close to where you used to. So now it's like you clearly just have to make some moves, which was what makes the lack of activity over the last year and a half or since that big off season so much more frustrating. Like once you knew that whatever he got hurt, and then once but then the off season you knew that it was still kind of messed up and weird, and now again after another surgery, it's still weird you have to realize that just the pivot has to happen at some point here. And the fact that just like nothing has happened with a pivot of any kind or any type of moves with this team, besides these small buyout moves and stuff like that. It's just like, that's what makes that so frustrating. And now like going into the off season, like you, again, you cannot, you have to move forward operating. Like Lonzo is not going to be there for you. You can be as hopeful as you want, but it's been a year and a half now. And like, no one knows what the fuck is wrong with his knee. Like, I don't know if you have any insight at all. What, what's going on here like there have been rumors that there's like a nerve issue did the freaking medical staff screw something up with the initial surgery like again we're not doctors we're not privy to this but like you have to it leads to speculation here about like what's going on it's crazy i'm not going to speculate on anything on the last two surgeries i clearly have no medical skills (laughs) all i will say is the pelicans let lonzo go so easily right yeah that in hindsight is a huge red flag and clearly shows because 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Zion and him were maybe not close, but Zion loved playing with him from great what fit. I understood. Yeah. Great fit. And they agreed he is a great fit. So, like, your star player loves playing with this guy. You let him go that easily. They clearly knew something was coming. Otherwise, you don't trade him for a second-round pick and Garrett Temple and let him walk and keep Devontae Graham or whatever they did that offseason for the Pelicans. So um, that that's concerning to me um, at, at that point. And one thing, I mean, this isn't directly related to the Lonzo thing, but like the thing that probably concerns me about AK right now in his past too, and this informs how the Bulls need to build their team. Cause remember like free agency and trades, you can acquire established NBA players with a track record, even if they're a first, second year guy, whatever, like you've seen if they can or can't play in the NBA. So that's a very big difference between drafting someone, right? That's the value in signing a free agent or trading for someone established is you have more certainty. He's at this point, he's made like four draft picks and he's like maybe one for four in talent evaluation as it relates to the spot where they drafted him. Right. Like we all agree. Iowa in second rounds, a home run, even if he hasn't developed as well as they hope this year, but like, they don't even let Marco into the United center. Sometimes they tell him to go to Hoffman and like, don't even report for duty. Like that was clearly like, it's not a big deal. Second round pick. It doesn't matter. But like, he can't even like, they gave him a guaranteed contract. Gave him a guaranteed contract. Crack the 11 man rotation when they're down like seven guys. And then Patrick Williams, again, I like some things he's done this year, but you wouldn't draft him at number four overall by any means, if he was available again there. Um, And then Dale and Terry, like we liked what we saw out of him against the bucks, but like, He's one of the most raw 18th overall picks we, we've seen in a while, it feels like. So, like, to me so far, like, the, the draft is what they want to build in their foundation. And what we've seen so far is uh, it's not turning out nearly as well as you'd want if your goal is to be a playoff team and be successful. Uh, yeah, my big question with AK is, does AK know ball? I mean, he, he made there some good go. moves early in his tenure, getting Caruso is truly an inspired move. Obviously, they got a lot more bang for their buck out of DeRozan than many analysts thought they would have. But at a certain point, like, you need to evaluate AK in this front office on the whole picture, not just say, oh, they built a good team and then got unlucky with Lonzo. Like, they knew, they know what's up with Lonzo more than anyone does. And yet they chose to do nothing at last trade deadline when Lonzo was out. And they probably had at least some idea of the severity of this injury at that time. Certainly, you got to think they had some idea of the severity of this injury during the offseason when they, again, chose to do nothing. And we all knew that they were just waiting for the trade deadline to pass before they could rule Lonzo out again this year when what did they do? They did nothing. So I just wonder, like, what sort of like what is AK? What is his grand vision in his head? Uh, I chalk it up to them believing that they can still tell themselves they had a successful season if they get the eight seed. Now, that's that's pretty pathetic in general. But like, where is this thing going long term? I just I just have no idea. And I got to say, Cody, if they don't hit the lottery this year and specifically if they don't get one of the first two picks, even if they get three or four, like 
then now you're on Arturis's draft record again. It's like, okay, you're going to trust this guy to draft the best player when it seems like right now there could be 10 different guys who go at number three or number four. There's not really any consensus on who should go in those spots. Uh, I would be very nervous if the Bulls were to were to get one of those spots. But with that being said, it's just like the only thing that can save this team right now feels like dra- draft luck. Be better than losing they the don't, pick. I feel like it's going to get real bleak real fast because there isn't really an obvious solution to how to get this thing better. Like you could pivot off it, but like you got to you know, break the next good bulls team. You got to break up the Zach DeMar pairing somehow. And it needs to be done this off season. Um, yeah. It's just that they're, they're they're too much. So one of the things I noticed in that Bucks game was like, look, even after Giannis went out, um, and it was kind of just like Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez, obviously, were were the star names there for him. And look, Brooke is not an initiator or creator by any means. Like the whole entire system, like still operated like their shooters, AJ Green coming off the bench, who again is a G League guy. He catches the ball in the spots where he's comfortable, well-balanced in the flow of offense. And, like, that's because Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, um, Javon Carter, like, these guys know how, as Ricky would say, they know how to ball, you know? Like, they know when to pass. They have a feel. Like, DeMar, as great as he's been, it feels like he holds onto the ball account too long. And I'm not talking about how he's taking a couple seconds to get where he wants in the mid range and the ball sticks for a second. It's like these guys aren't in a flow of offense, Zach and Amar. It's like, it's just too much offense first create for yourself. There's no flow. Like drew holiday is unselfish to me as it gets in the NBA and, and what he does for those guys and the whole bucks team and the bulls don't have that. And I, Guess it comes back to the intangible thing, which is perfect because we talked about Patrick <laughs> Beverly. But like, there's something intangible about that. Like, the Bulls aren't even catching the ball to me in the well balanced positions within their offense because they just don't have that feel for each other. Yeah, and to me, that a lot of that sounds like the criticisms we heard of the Oklahoma City Thunder when uh, Billy Donovan was coaching them before go. Chris Paul came around. Even when it was Paul George and Russell Westbrook in the primes of their careers. And even when he had Kevin Durant for one year with Westbrook, uh, you would often hear people say the Thunder's offense is too your turn, my turn and too stagnant. So, I I mean, I got some big questions about Billy. Like, yeah, dude, you cleared the lowest bar in humanity of being better than Jim Boylan. But uh, Ricky's coming for me. He knows I'm a he knows I'm a Billy supporter. I admittedly probably have some Stockholm syndrome here watching this team and offense operate and then AK go silent and say nothing and Billy fall on the grenades daily with professionalism. Um, and that comes back to like, it feels like AK fair. This front office cares about optics to some extent too, right? Because they're not giving up on the season. They don't want to talk about their struggles and Billy's tried it out here. I mean, I've joked that he's like the highest paid spokesman in the NBA sometimes. Right. And, in the world, maybe actually, you know what I mean? Like whatever they're making here, um, five, six million a year. So huge high level questions. Like when Billy came, the criticism of, of him was pretty sure he lost two playoff series with a better team. Probably his thunder lost to the blazers one time. And I believe they lost to the jazz one time. And he probably had more talent or as much talent to me. It felt like in those series, like 
there were some significant, significant strategical questions at high levels. And it's fair criticism. I mean, the 24th ranked offense, that's got to get hung on his head probably too. And I've certainly defended Billy, but that is the, the biggest indictment of him this year probably. Yeah, you got to blame everything. I mean, the roster, again, is just so – the construction is just so messed up because they had, what, four centers. None of them – basically one can play. Yeah, no shooting. You have all these undersized fours. The roster – it's it's definitely just got to go on. When you're 26 and 33 and, like, with at least some, like, all-star talent there, it's – God, the blame's got to go to everybody. Um, Let's – I guess just looking forward here to the rest of the season here to wrap up. Uh, Cody, what do you, what do you think that, what, what would be your prediction? Do you think they will make the plane or do you think they're going to miss? Oh man, you are putting me on the spot. <laughs> I am, I'm a true believer here. We are going to get a bulls number 10 seed and first game exit in the plan. Oh, like we are going to get a playing game. I I've said all along, this team was destined for a playing spot. I thought it was going to be on the higher end. Thought they'd battle their way in with the home game, maybe. Um, I think they are barely going to make it, and then they're going to get booted. We're going to get that that Pat Bev fire in our belly, <laughs> and we're going to see it in Chicago. And the Bulls are going to rip off like five wins in eight games to steady themselves at some point here down the stretch, play 500 the rest of the way maybe, and barely sneak into a play-in, and then just, just lose, and it'll be a really sad <laughs> loss. Yeah, I was, I was looking through the schedule, talking with a friend yesterday, like, trying to figure out like what, like how, what they need to do to like get in. Which right now what are their 26 and 33. They got 23 games left. Like, what do you think they need? Like 38, 39. Like yeah, it does tw- depends on like with the wizards, Raptors, maybe the Hawks the highest they could pos- probably get is probably nine, maybe eight. If the Hawks fall apart, but again, that's just jumping multiple teams. So like it feels like nine or 10 and it feels like they probably got to go 13 and 10 or 12 and 11 to get in. And like, I mean- that might be a bad prediction by me. I didn't realize the Wizards are three clear in the loss column. That's yeah. the team I felt like would fall. But um, man, might I might miss that prediction too. I, I, I think I'm also kind of just with you at that. Like I don't think they're this bad. Like as bad as they've looked and like as brutal as they've been lately. It, like I still can't believe how bad they've been lately. Like blowing some of these games and like because I didn't. I never thought they were this bad. Like Ricky has been calling. I feel like a bad team for a long time this season. I've been like, no, they're not bad. They're just super mid. They're super mediocre. And like they'll they'll hang around 500 all year. So the fact that they did fall back down like this was just like I, I was honestly shocked by it. And it's it's they've been brutal. So like it would not surprise me. At if they do like go on a little run here and start looking better again and coming out of the break and this could, these few games out of the break definitely could make or break. Like you mentioned Nets at home wizards, a team they're chasing. I think they play the Raptors coming up here. Huge one on again. So like if they lose, if they, if they come out here and suck, keep sucking after the break, then they're probably fucking toast, but then they'll probably come out and win like three or four. And like, here we go. Like, the, as you mentioned, like the Patrick Beverly thing, it's turning them around and they'll like be like a game back of 10 or back in the 10 spot or something like that for these few games. But then if you look at the rest of their schedule, they got to play the Lakers twice. They got to play the Clippers. I think they play Denver again. They play Dallas again. I think they got one more against the Bucks. They got a couple more against the Sixers. So like they got some t- brutal games here down the stretch. Uh, so again, if they come out here after the break and do not make hay, like they are probably totally fucked, which again, is not the worst thing in the world. I think at this point, like I, a lot of Bulls fans would be totally fine if they missed the play and it maximize those odds because uh, if they don't, if they do lose that pick, like that's going to be a disaster. 
I mean, obviously the worst thing that would happen is if they somehow got down to fifth and they somehow lost the pick anyways, but at least it would give them a better chance uh, to get it. Uh, was it. What was it like foot 42% or whatever it is uh, to keep it there? But it's just, it is definitely bleak. Ricky, I believe you use that word bleak, uh, bleak situation right now. We will see what happens with the, with this team. The bulls are back after the all-star break on Friday. Cody, thank you so much for joining us. As always, always great to have you on. Um, I was always let our listeners know, uh, just promo yourself right now, Twitter, all your other work, whatever. Uh, thanks for having me on boys. Uh, six, seven score.com bulls page there, right. And as much as we can, uh, on with Bernstein and Holmes on Thursdays at 11 AM, whenever else they want me on just, uh, Tune in to the score for your Bulls basketball on the radio. If you ever can't stand to watch it with your <laughs> eyes, but still need to stay up to date on everything happening. Uh, thank you so much again, Cody. This has been great. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Tons of great coverage of the NBA and all bunch of other sports all across Blue Wire for us here at Cash. Please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN SBN underscore Ricky. And obviously follow all his great stuff at SB Nation. So that's going to do it for us here at Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We had a couple more days of the All-Star break where we don't have to watch miserable Bulls basketball. And then we will have the Bulls back on Friday night against the Nets. Uh, It'll be an interesting game. Bulls lost the Nets last time. That was before they had their new guys. The Nets are a, that's a new a feisty team, new Nets team there. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bulls come out with the fire and the duh fire and duh passion with Patrick Duff Beverly uh, and they just revamp the locker room. We'll see, but that'll do it for us here. So take it easy, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.